Oh, Father, right there where you're standing. Just bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ this morning. Just sense his presence, his tangible essence, the glory of God resting down upon you. Right there where you're at, you feel the weightiness of God. You feel the aura of God's presence. God is a tangible. He said he would inhabit the praises of his people. So right there where you're at, just engage him for a few moments. Out of your heart, just tell him how much you love him. Thank him for what he's done for you. Let him know he has preeminence in your life today. I know there's a lot going on, but just let him know. No matter what, Lord, the throne belongs to you. My heart belongs to you. And we worship you. We praise you. We magnify your name. I pray, God, that every person in this place will have an encounter with you today, that their spirit will engage your spirit, that they will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that today you are with them. Hallelujah. That you're leading us and guiding us, and that your plan and purpose and your intention for us, your expectation for us is good. You're a good, good God, a good Father, and we trust you this morning. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Ah, are you talking to him? That's why we're here. That's why we come together. Give him these moments. Every fiber of our being extended to him. As our Father, our God, our Lord, our Savior, our brother. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you. Yeah. Now, Lord God, just lift every weight, every burden. Let us cast our cares upon you as we approach your word in faith this morning. We believe we shall be changed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Put your hands together this morning. If you love him, are you glad you're here? Come on, give him a good ovation right there. Yes, Lord. This this ain't the lions, the ravens. This isn't Kansas City here. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Let, hallelujah. Amen. Well, you may be seated. As you're seated, greet your neighbor. Tell them you're glad to see them this morning. Welcome those of you that are online today. We're glad that you're here. God is moving. He is on the move, and you are a part of it. Amen? Amen. So get ready. Hallelujah. Thank you, Noe. Uh, Welcome back. Glad you're feeling better, my friend. Amen. Tell this worship team how much you appreciate them this morning. Come on, put your hands together. Let them know. Let them know. Yeah. You know, worship is a very powerful thing. Um, It's not just something that we do out of ceremony or uh, some act of piety. We actually come to worship God because we trust and believe that we are engaging him and that he hears us. I want to talk about that this morning, and maybe we'll preach a little bit. I don't know, but um, we've been a little bit on a faith series. Faith is when? Faith is right now. So you're in faith when? Now, so that means no matter yesterday or tomorrow, you got right now faith. You got mountain moving faith right now. We learned last week when we approach God's word, we don't just approach God's word to get faith, although the Bible says faith come by hearing and hearing the word of God. But we also understand that we go to the word of God with faith. Hallelujah. How many got faith this morning? I want to just expound on that a little bit. If I was to title this today, I would just want to uh, say it this way. You are not alone. Turn to your neighbor say, you are not alone. Yeah, you're not, you're not all by yourself. Some people, some, and this is, this is a statement that I'll make early. I'll probably reference back to it. Faith fills in the gap. Faith fills in the gap uh, during times of uncertainty, during times of lack of knowledge. Faith fills in the gap. And now the good thing about it is it's not faith tomorrow. It's not faith yesterday. Your faith fills in the gap when? Right now. So when you don't understand or where where there's a lack of knowledge, faith will fill the gap. 
so I just want you to know this morning, if you have right now faith, we're going we're gonna, to uh, discover something in the Word today, that the number one trick of the enemy is to try to convince you that you are all by yourself, that God has somehow abandoned you, your circumstances are dictating something to you that uh, challenges your right now faith. And uh, the enemy's biggest uh, deception is, is that God has left you. He's betrayed you. He's moved out. He's checked out. And uh, you're standing here holding the bag of all of these problems that you're facing as though God is no longer present. But I'm here to tell you, God is going to walk you through every situation. He's going to give you instruction every step of the way. And in times of waiting, let me say this, faith fills in the gap. So there's times in this process where faith will fill in the gap. That's why the Bible declares in the book of Timothy that fight the good fight of faith. Contend for the faith. Hold on to your faith. When? When you don't feel him. Uh, When you don't see things happening. When you don't see him moving. You know, I've used this analogy before. You know, someone that's uh, a a lady that's pregnant uh, with child, there's a time in the the pregnancy when the most vital organs of the child are being developed and formed. But that's the time when the mother doesn't feel a thing. Sometimes God is doing his greatest work when you don't feel anything. Sometimes the greatest miracles in your life are being developed and processed and created when you don't feel a thing. That's why faith is right now. You got to contend right now for the faith, allow it to fill in the gap of time, allow it to fill in the gap of when you don't feel anything. Sometimes when you come to church, maybe this morning, this might have been you, you didn't feel like coming to church. You didn't feel like worshiping him this morning. You didn't feel like getting out of bed. And I, I, I understand that. That's, that's a common thread in, in many, many people's lives. We don't always feel like doing it, but it, faith is that work that is manifested when you show up, even when you don't feel like it. You are in faith this morning. Glory to God. Turn to your neighbor, tell him you're in faith, man. You're sitting next to some right now people that probably didn't feel like getting out of bed, going out into the rain and showing up here this morning. But you let faith fill in the gap of how you feel. Hallelujah. It's, it's a good thing. Acts chapter 17. Let's look at this together. Acts chapter 17. First of all, I want to make this point this morning through this particular scripture. You're not an accident. Where you're at is not an accident. The time in history that you're alive right now is not an accident. God knows where you're at. He knew you would be born in this time and season. Verse 26. Let's look at that together. Verse 26. Acts chapter 17 and verse 26. It says these words, And hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell all the face of the earth, and has determined the times... Say, right now, he's determined this time before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, your boundaries. So, Luke is saying God knows what time it is and he knows where you're at. So, I want you to understand this this morning, that this is not, your life is not random. This isn't some collection of cells that just decided to show up. Uh, It doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter who your parents are. Doesn't matter if uh, you come from a Christian home, a non-Christian home, a single parent home, a divorced home, no matter what, your gender, your race, God knows. 
It's not an accident. Well, I wish I was born in another time. I wish I was born in another state. I wish I had different parents. Why were they born into a wealthy family and I wasn't? And why, um, you know, why, why does it seem easier for them to get along? And why did my parents divorce and their parents stayed together? You know, I mean, we have a litany of questions and legitimate questions to be asked, but And asking them, you must ask them from this foundation. God knows. It didn't catch God off guard. He's not surprised of who your parents are, the state you were born in, the hospital you were born in, and maybe you were born in a barn or the back of a cab. I don't know, but God knows. And he already knew. So this is not random. The Bible declares that you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So when you come with these questions before God, don't come as though he doesn't know. He already knows. And no matter what your situation, your boundaries, your parents, your geographic location, or your time in history, God has a specific plan, purpose, and design for you. And you don't have to grope around in darkness trying to figure it out. We can get intentional in seeking God and unfolding his plan for our life. Before I gave my life to Christ, I was groping around in darkness trying to figure it out. Why am I here? Why are we people? What's a hand and why do I have one? All these questions, where did I come from? Uh, You know, why am I here and where am I going? All these questions are answered in the scripture and are uncovered as you develop your relationship with God. And listen, it doesn't come overnight and sometimes God might tell you something that he has planned, but he doesn't always break down the details in the process or the journey that it takes to get there. Because sometimes there's going to be steps in that journey that you may, if he told you, you may not want to do it. You may not want to go there. But sometimes we assess and process information based upon a present position. And as, but not knowing as we walk this journey, our faith gets stronger each step of the way. You may not have the capacity today to get through what you may have to go through to get to the end. But as you journey, your faith grows. You get stronger. You become more equipped. Your capacity increases. So sometimes you might say, well, how am I going to get, you can't get, I can't get there from here. And if God showed you that you were going to have to go through the lion's den, before you got there or God showed you you're going to have to go to the fiery furnace before you come out the other side, you would say, well, wait, 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 just one moment. My life isn't so bad just the way it is. I mean, uh, misery, uh, uh, the human condition can adapt to a lot of situations and you can become accustomed to defeat. You can become accustomed to misery. You can become accustomed to chronic crisis. You can live in that. You can become accustomed to your issues. I'm always impressed with the woman with the issue of blood. 13 years, she never settled as though this is the end. 13 years, she did all she could, and finally the answer showed up. Hallelujah. He was baptized in the River Jordan, came out, anointed by the Holy Ghost, filled with virtue, And the process of her life, 13 years, she never settled. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't settle. settle. You don't have to settle for less than what God has for you. One of the tricks of the enemy is, is that you can't do it. You can't accomplish it. God is not with you, so just chill right here. Accept it. I refuse to accept anything less than what God has for me. Now, Jesus said in the Gospels, he said, it's very, very important as we 
apply our right now faith. What should we be applying our right now faith for? First and foremost, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You want the most direct uh, directions to your goal, God's purpose, and must start, your GPS must first be dialed into the kingdom of God. Where am I going from here? I'm seeking the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all of these other things, the provision, the protection, all these other things, he says, shall be added on to you. Sometimes we put faith first outside of seeking the kingdom and obtaining the provision, obtaining the purpose, obtaining the job, the goal, those things that our hearts desire. But when you seek first the kingdom of God, it helps you sort out, wait a minute, is that really the thing for me? Is that... I know that I'd like to do that. I see someone else doing that. I see the success and the accolades that they have doing that. I'm going to put my faith first in achieving that and reaching that place in my life. But if you seek first the kingdom of God, God has a way of molding, shaping, and developing your heart's desire. Some things we want that are out here absent seeking the kingdom of God are lust-based, ambition-based, uh, carnally-based, right? So we want to seek ye first the kingdom and then everything will be added on. How will it be added on? When you seek first the kingdom of God, he orders your steps. And within the process and the movement and the growth and development, these things, you will be like a magnet that draws the things that God has for you in this life. He will uh, rearrange things. He will, you'll meet somebody that, that you, you, you had no way of ever meeting before. He'll put you in the cell. Well, I wanted to go to this college, but I ended up at this college. But, but this was the better, and this was the worse, and the, I, this was more renowned, and this one, the, yeah, but there might be a connection here that you have to have for kingdom purpose. Right? So just walk it out. Do all you can do. The woman spent all she had. She went to every physician. Then finally she got to the virtue she needed. She met the right person. She got to the right connection. Didn't mean she didn't punch around a little bit. It just meant at the right place, at the right time, God, God showed up. You showed up. You met the right person. You got the right job. You got the right connection. You networked at the right place. You ended up at the right spot. But wait a minute. I thought it was going to be in this direction. No, I had to go to this direction to meet this person that can bring me to this direction because there was, there was a roadblock here, and this person here had the key to unlock the roadblock. All right? So don't sweat that stuff. Don't allow that stuff to discourage you. Just trust the process that as I seek first the kingdom of God, and here's another benefit. I'm trying to get to my scriptures here, but here's another benefit of seeking first the kingdom of God. Your right now faith stays active. That means you are more equipped and more able to handle the problems that are absolutely going to be presented to you. Outside of seeking first the kingdom, your faith could get weak. You may have got what you want, but it came with problems that you didn't have enough faith to handle. It's very important. Seek first the kingdom. Know him. I want to know you, Lord. David said, as the deer panteth for the water brook, so my soul longs for you. The prophet said, it's like deep that cries out to deep. There's something in me that is craving the celestial. I want to walk with God. And I want to know that God is walking with me. Listen, you are not alone. Now, the Bible says, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. I would encourage you this week 
Get back into these scriptures. Dissect them for yourself. Cross-reference them. See the stories that God is uh, uh, connecting to these verses. It will bless you. 19. Oh, I love this scripture. Matthew 19 and verse, am I at the right place? Verse 26. 19 and verse 26. Oh yeah, watch this. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them. Now this is Jesus making a statement. With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Wow. Now what's so important about this is that as you seek first the kingdom and you keep your right now faith alive, there's going to be situations that are impossible. You might be facing one right now. And I don't know about you, but this is kind of what I do a lot. I try to figure out in my head how this is going to work out and how can I help the process along and what can I do and what can I say? Anyone ever get in that situation where you just thought you could outsmart the situation and you were gifted enough to say something, manipulate, you were witty, you had wisdom? Man, when I was a kid, I was a spoiled youngest of three. I had two older sisters raised by three women and man, did I know how to work the system. I could get away with pretty much anything until I couldn't. So, your situation right now, you might look at it and say, there's no way that this is going to turn out good. It, my, it's like Paul on his way to Rome. God trashed a perfectly good ship on the journey. And Paul's going to Rome, but they get shipwrecked at Crete. Why did God allow that to happen? He had to blow up a perfectly good ship to get Paul to Crete because there was, there was some king there on the island whose son was sick that Paul would lay his hands upon and bring life and healing and bring a demonstration of the living king that shared the gospel with the barbarians. God will blow up your ship to get a message to one person. But anyway, I digress. So, if the situation that you're facing right now, could be your job, could be your family, could be your marriage, could be your children, just, there's a litany of things. We all have something. Can I get a witness up in here? We all have, we all have something. That we would try to engage it with our greatest intellect and wit and research to try to fix it. And the more we get in there and try to fix it, the more we get in there and try to lay the plan out for our future or, or, or bring the manifest, the, 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 resolve the issue and the problem, the further away it gets from us. It's not that God is abandoned in us. That's when God tells me, hey, wait a minute, come back here, seek me, you can't fix this. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Now, as a man, and, and, you as we, and some of you as women, we think we can fix everything. <laughs> we think we can fix the impossible. And we've even, we even go, hey, I've seen how this has worked out this way, and this is fixed that way. And, you know, I, I, uh, sometimes I, I'm, I, when I'm looking at markets, they'll go back and do historical analytics and say, well, this is what happened in this year under these similar circumstances, so surely it's going to happen the same way now. You better not play that game because you're going to get hurt. You don't know. They always say, it's different this time. Well, it's never different this time until it's different this time. In other words, there are dynamics involved 
in your current situation, no matter how much you want to look at someone else's and see how it resolved, that, that, that are different. That God says, listen, this is, a, this is a specific way that it needs to be handled, and it's not like you think. Come back here. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Because the way that we may be approaching it, it has created an impossible situation. And then if we say, oh my gosh, this is impossible, and we're outside of the kingdom, or we're outside of seeking first the kingdom, then we get despair. We get depressed. We throw in the towel. We question God, and we think we have been abandoned. Oh, can I get any help? Can I get a witness out there? Yeah, come on, somebody. But God, Jesus himself says, listen, men, it's impossible for you. Sometimes it's just good to say, I admit it, God, this is impossible for me. Uh, I can't do it. You have to humble yourself and say, this is bigger than I can. This is beyond my scope. And allow God to step in, give you peace in the storm, give you hope in your despair, and give you promise in the impossibility. God can do it. With man, it's impossible. But with God, that's so much good news this morning. Having you got an impossible situation? You need to clap your hands right now and thank God. It's not impossible for him. It's not too late. I don't care if it's dead. He's got resurrection power. I don't care what the doctor said. The therapist said. I don't care what all. I don't care. It, with God. All things are possible. But if the enemy convinces you because of your circumstances, I did everything right. And what I, and I thought and I thought and I thought. And maybe you have a legitimate complaint and an argument or a gripe with God. Lay it out to him. He can handle it. It's no problem for him. He's got big shoulders. He doesn't trip up if you're disappointed in him or even mad at him. He just wants you to come to him so he can say, it's okay that you're mad. It's okay that you're disappointed. It's okay that you're frustrated. Now let me give you peace in the midst of your disappointment. Let me give you peace in the midst of your frustration. Let faith fill in this gap of from where you are to where it's going to turn out and know that it's impossible for you, but with me it's not impossible. Let faith fill in the time gap. Just hold on. Stand steadfast. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Just come back to the kingdom, seeking the kingdom first. I don't know about you, but there's times in life where I really do want my pound of flesh. <laughs> I know I'm the only one. I can't tell you. Just having a title, and I'm not really big into titles, but a title of a pastor, I can't tell you how much restraining power <laughs> that has helped me not to just lob some heads off. <laughs> oh man, the old man so many times just 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 knock him out. Just clock him. Just just do it. <sighs> oh, oh. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a pastor. How that look? <laughs> <laughs> but you should also have that concept or, or boundary or that governor as a Christian. I know it's hard to turn the other cheek. I know it's hard to be the bigger person in the room. I know it's hard to forgive. I know it's hard to, when, when you're hurting, just, <clears throat> oh, I get you. Turn your neighbor and punch him in the jaw. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, if that was so-and-so, uh, I'd have probably hit him before you retracted that. As a, mm, I feel you. I know. And listen, God gets you. God knows. 
He knows the, the situation that you're facing. Remember, he knows where you're at in history. He knows where you're living. He knows where he puts you. He knows everything. He's not abandoning you. But listen, whatever you're going through, and I said this last week, and it's important to know. Sometimes, you know, my, my wife had a complaint years ago. <clears throat> God, how do you get glory out of any this situation? And I've done thus, 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 and such, and thus, and such, and still, and still, and still. Why do bad things happen to good people? And yada, yada, yada. And why do bad things happen to Christians that did everything that the Bible said? And it still happened. Sometimes in those legitimate complaints and where we lack understanding, I like to look at it this way. God has put enough in you that he's able to trust you with that situation. He trusts you with pain. What does that mean? He trusts you with disappointment. What does that mean? He... He trusts you to know that no matter what, Job, you're not going to turn on me. I'm going to stay on the Lord's side. Take my houses, take my lands, take my wife, take my fam. I know my Redeemer lives. So know that God's not abandoning you, but he does trust that he has put enough in you and that you have been adopted in the beloved. You are part of the family, and this is family business. He'll work it out. He'll make a way. I know it looks impossible, but Jesus said, with me ain't nothing impossible. I can change their heart overnight just when you were getting ready to throw in the towel and the 10 count was on, all of the sudden new life is pumped in and you come up off of the mat and you look around and say, look what the Lord has done. Lord have mercy. He did it again. He is a way maker. He is not in abandoning you. Now, I, I, I say this. Turn your neighbor, say this, if you would. Just smile real big. Say, God's invisible hand. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? Well, to me, that it means from where I was to where I am and the behavior that I've calculated in between and the decisions that I've made and the actions that I've made, there ain't no way I should even be alive right now. There's no way that I should be sitting here in this church or watching online. There's no way that I should even be at this position. Before I know knew Jesus, I can't tell you, oh my Lord, I should have been dead. Why did they die and I didn't die? Why did they get shot and I didn't get shot? Why did they get busted and spend 10 years in prison and I didn't get busted and spend 10 years? What, 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 wait, wait a minute. Uh, somebody my age, my height, color my eyes, color my hair. That's their situation. They did the same thing and they ended up totally in another situation. Why? God knows your hit, where you are in history. He knows who are his and he knows where you're at. You know, sometimes I question, God, why'd you call me? I mean, I come out of the, that, that, that gang scene. I come out of the drug scene and, and all my buddies and all my friends, we were all in there together and then just boom, shut out of nowhere, somebody gets radically saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, turns their back on all of it, every one of their friends, every relationship, everything they knew, everything they were familiar with, and said goodbye. Sometimes I ask, why me, God? Why not Carl? Why not Eric? Why not this one? And God, God knows what you will do with the information about his kingdom when it's presented to you. He's alpha, he's omega, he's beginning and the end. You're here because God knows. When he presents you with his love, his kingdom, his son, his grace, you would say, yes, Lord. 
But before that, I didn't know God, but I should have ended up like they ended up with God's invisible hand. How many accidents did he stop? How, how many times, I, I, I know, how many times did, 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 did uh, his angels make a way and stop that car from hitting me head on or, 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 or stop that, that bullet and that, that, that hits the bumper and not the back of your head? How does, how does he do all that? Uh, his invisible hand, his grace, his angels, he's got a plan. He knows you. You, where you're at, what time it is, and where you're born. And listen, he knows your kids. If he pulled you out, he's got a plan for your children. I know they might look crazy right now. I can testify. I've watched my children go through things, and sometimes I had to let it go, and seek the kingdom because it was impossible for me to fix that situation. Some situations ended up in tragicness. But I trust God that if he pulled me out, then in me, the children that he put in me belong to him as well. Wouldn't we all just love to write the testimony of our own children? Where they just, just perfect. They're going to do this. They're going to do this. They're going to do this. They're going to graduate. They're going to get a job. They're going to marry a Christian woman. They're going to do that. The kids are going to be great, dude. They're going to have money. They're never going to get stoned. They're never going to get drunk. They're never going to pop pills. They're never going to smoke crack. They're never going to do weed. They're never going to hook up with the wrong person. They're never going to make it. Can I get a witness up in here? Now, I know you that have small children now might think that, oh, not my babies. Not my kids. (laughs) Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I trust God with my children. And it is one of the most difficult things that must be processed daily. If not, I would find myself getting overwhelmed. I'm a protector. I'm a provider. I want everybody in the brood. And, they, they, you know, these kids, some of them 30, in their 30s. I can't. I got to trust God with them. Number one, that he loves them more than I can ever be capable of loving them. And that I've instilled enough in them, no matter what they're going through, they'll come back around and the kingdom will prevail. And the word that's been put on the inside of them, it will produce. The seed might be lying dormant, but bless God, it's going to spring through the soil of their heart and it's going to produce fruits on the righteousness and they shall... Take what I've given them and give it to their kids. And give it to their kids. But man, wouldn't we just like to write down the way we want it to happen and just, man, Lord, help me, Jesus. I trust you, Lord. With man, all things are possible. With with man, this might be impossible. With God, all things are possible possible. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't have something that you have to do to allow God to produce the impossibilities in your life. And this, my friend, is where faith comes in a big way. Go to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. I've got several. I'm not going to get to all of them, but this is a good one. Numbers. Chapter 13. This might be impossible for you. As a matter of fact, if God's going to get his hands in there, it is going to probably look impossible for you. If you belong to God and you seriously think that God is going to constantly position you in a place where you have no need of him or exercising faith, you are... Wrong. God will intentionally allow situations in your life because that's where 
the just live by faith. He demands that. So positioning you in places of an impossibility or, or seemingly insurmountable obstacles is, is par for the course as the children of God. And here we see in other incidents here in the book of Numbers chapter 13. This is the story of the children of Israel who'd been traveling around, uh, who had been in Egyptian bondage for hundreds of years. Moses brought them out. God is bringing them into the promised land, Canaan land, bringing them into the promised land known as Israel, Palestine, whatever you want to say. And he's bringing them in and he is getting ready to show them the land. So the story is, as they're in the desert, God made provision. He made water and, and food and, and got them to where he gave them some structure and some order. But they sent uh, 12 spies into the promise of God. <clears throat> so these 12 spies, you know the story. Uh, they went uh, into the land, and let's see what they found. Verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and brought back word. Well, they bring back word of what they saw. He brought back word unto them, and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. Okay, so they brought back some fruit of the land. So God told them this is going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. There's going to be food and grapes. You're going to live in a place where wells that you did not dig, houses that you didn't have to build. This is I'm giving this to you. Go into this land. They sent the spies. Let's go see if this is true. So they brought back the goodies, but they didn't bring something back that they should have brought back that would have solidified the deal. It would have saved them for 40 years. I'm going to get to the scripture. And they told them and they said, we come on to the land whither um, thou set us to go. And surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people is strong and that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled, Jericho, and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. These are the children of the giants. You can call them the Nephilim, the men of the renown. This is the lineage of Goliath. This is the Canaanite Philistine lineage, and it comes from Anak. These are the uh, men of renown. These are the, the Nephilim, the descendants of the Nephilim. Okay, These guys are giants. They're big dudes. And the Amalekites dwell in the land in the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the uh, Mosquitoites and the Canaanites, they dwell in the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb said to the people before Moses and said, let us go at once and possess it, for we are well and able to overcome. So they come back. They bring fruit, they bring word, they bring fruit. Now, here's the proof of the promise, but there's a problem. There's something else there that we didn't anticipate. There's something else there that's in between us and, what, and, and our comfort level uh, to which we feel like we can possess what you've given us. We're not comfortable with the obstacle, these giants. Here's something I, I would just insert here. They, if they would have come back with the fruit of the land and the head of a giant, it was on. <laughs> they were afraid of the giants. They were afraid of the land. Verse uh, 31, but the men that went up then said, we are not able to go against these people for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had stretched, uh, searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land that which we have gone and searched it out, the land we've entered, the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw are men of great stature. And they saw giants in the land, sons of Anak, which came from the giants. 
and we are in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sights. So they compare themselves to grasshoppers. They had a grasshopper complex. They said, we are as grasshoppers in our sight, and we are grasshoppers in their sight. There was no way that they were going to take this on. So here you got the promise of God. Here you got God's instruction to move forward. Here you have a, a, a grasshopper complex in other words, they forgot one thing. It doesn't matter how big the giant is if you retain your right now faith and know that God is with you. Do you think when they brought back this report, it was like Moses and the people in the congregation, they may have been shocked to hear the evil report and how big these creatures were and how hard it was going to be. But listen, God knew that the land was filled with giants. God put them there. God knew the obstacles there. Matter of fact, he used them giants and all those tribes to plant them vineyards that you're going to eat from, to dig those wells that you're going to drink out of, to build those habitations that you're going to live in. <laughs> he didn't twinkle his nose and say, poof, there it is. He put these tribes in there and put these evil tribes to work that worship these false gods that sacrificed their children to Balak that, that, that were absolutely immoral and genetically defiled. He put them there and put them to work and let them build a place that God was going to give the children of Israel. But God wasn't going to give it to them without faith. You're going to have to believe what God says is true no matter if the giant shows his ugly face. If God tells you that something is yours, you're going to have some obstacles. You can break it down. Oh, them's my kids. They're going to be obstacles. That's my wife. They're going to be obstacles. That's my husband. They're going to be obstacles. That's my job. There's going to be obstacles. Just go down the list, man. If that is God's promise to you, and you think it's not going to come with some obstacles, you're going to be disappointed. That's why faith is right now, and we are commissioned first to seek the kingdom of God so that when the obstacle comes, we don't have a grasshopper complex. We don't see ourselves as inadequate and unable to accomplish the task. Stay in the place God wants us to stay. See our kids in another place and another situation to get them broken through to where God wants. No, 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 no. I don't have a grasshopper complex because yes it's impossible with me but it's not impossible with God I know the giants are big I know they got six toes and six fingers and their breast stinks but I see the milk and I see the honey I see the promised land man I can see I can see it's it's just on the other side you mean that's all I gotta go through to get what God has for me you think now there's just no way it's unbearable it's like having children man when you're pushing and you feel like you're gonna die and you're going through transition and you're trying to push that baby out you think you're gonna die I can't push one more time I can't have this kid no stop the give me some painkiller man you want to slap your husband and slap the nurse you you just want out of there I don't want to feel this anymore but then right after the obstacle and the breakthrough comes and new life is birthed and you forget about all the pain you just went through I mean it just leaves your mind I guess I don't know I'm not a woman but I it left my mind. I was, <laughs> and you see that baby is like, oh man, was it worth it? Oh, it was so worth it. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> oh. You got this. Listen, you got this. You're not alone. God has not abandoned you. He's on your side. This is the problem that happened with the children of Israel. Go to Hebrews 3 real quick, and I'm closing. Hebrews 3. Hebrews chapter 3. So there is consequences for this type of evil word, this type of evil report. Do not let what you see 
be turned into an evil report. Where did it go evil? How did it become evil? It wasn't evil when they said there's giants. It wasn't evil when they said, ooh, they big. It was evil when they said, we are grasshoppers. And we are grasshoppers in their sight. And they forgot the promise. They forgot the word. The promise is what enables you to see past your grasshopper complex. The word of God. So where does that say? Hebrews chapter 3, and let's look at verse 14. You're going to like this. Hebrews 3, is it 14 or? Verse 19, I'm sorry. No, I'm good. Thank you. Verse 19, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now I have time to go through all of it, but he's speaking about the children of Israel. He says in verse 14, he says, for we are partakers of Christ. And if we hold to the beginning of our confession, steadfast unto the end, while it is said today, you will hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. Well, what is this? I'm, the, the reference I just referenced in, in numbers, they hardened their hearts in the day of provocation. Uh, they, they, they didn't believe God. And what happened? For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit, and all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom it was, with whom he was grieved 40 years, speaking of God, he was grieved with them, and that they had sin, and whose carcasses fell dead in the wilderness. Is this, is this not them? Well, look, look what God did. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So here he's talking about this, what happened in Numbers. It made God mad. They hardened their hearts. They provoked God because of the obstacles in front of them. And they forgot that they were not alone. With man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So what happened? God took that generation, and they never received, they never crossed the Jordan, they never got the promise. The giants are, okay, that's how you see it. You, 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 you don't think I can, you don't, I know you can't handle it, but you're saying I can't handle it. I know you can't handle the giants. But you're saying, now you're saying, I can't handle it. Well, how am I saying you can't handle it? Because I said that belongs to you. And you won't go over. You won't go get it. Go get your stuff. I can't. It's too hard. I can't, I'm not going to, I can't get there. Don't you see how big that giant is? Are you looking at the giant or are you looking at me? <clears throat> okay, so. Let's just put it this way. This, these guys are seven, eight, nine foot tall. They're ugly. Like I said, they got six toes and six fingers. They stink. They kill babies. They do all this kind of evil stuff. And you're looking at them and you're thinking, wicked, evil, pagans, idolaters, and they're giants. And God told you to go get what belongs to you. You've just said, they're bigger than you, God. Huh. These 10 spies saved, these 12 spies saved Joshua and Caleb. They all said, my problem is bigger than you. Back to square one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. This is where you keep your right now faith, where it says, no matter how big the giant is, it's not bigger than my God. David, young boy, anointed by God, goes in the valley of Elah. He sees the Philistines. 
He sees the armies of Israel. He sees them in a shouting match and a giant down in the valley calling out the champion of Israel. Let's settle this one-on-one. And nobody wanted to go except David, who was a little boy, ruddy, red hair, hanging out with sheep, stringing cat gut, playing the harp, writing songs to God. But what they didn't know, when the lion came to take a sheep, he slayed the lion. When the bear came to take the sheep, he slayed the bear. He walked through the process. I got the lion out of the way. I got the bear out of the way. This nine-foot giant with this big old sword, he ain't nothing. He knew that God was with him. This giant is not too big. When the children of Israel brought back the evil report, they're basically saying, we're a grasshopper. We're a grasshopper in their sight, and God use a grasshopper. <laughs> Won't he do it? Is there anything too hard for God? I know it looks the giant's ugly. I know it's breathing down your neck. I know you're frustrated. I know you're mad. Listen, I ain't talking. This is God. He's talking to you right now. He knows what's going on. He sees the situation. He knows you're frustrated. He knows you're not, you you feel like you're not making any ground. He knows that the giant's just one giant after another giant after another giant. Am I going to reach the promise? When do I get to eat the grapes? When do I get to drink the milk? When can I have a sip of water? It seems like this battle will never end. God says, I see you. I see your frustration. Get back to kingdom now. Faith right now. Faith seeking me first. I'm going to energize you. I'm going to build your faith. You're going to become a giant killer. And the next giant that comes your way won't go down so hard. It'll be much easier the next time. You're going to break through easier the next time. You're going to live strengthened the next time in a way you wasn't the last time. You're going to make it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God is on your side. I know it's, I know. And listen, you never, you're never found an unscarred champion in the Bible. God's, if you're God's child, he's never going to put you in a situation in your life where he is not necessary. Even when he banished them to the wilderness, he still had to feed them for 40 years. He was still necessary. He still had to give them drink and water and quail and manna. Still had to give them heat at night and cool them off with a cloud in the daytime. I trust you to God for daily, daily, daily provision, but the, the, I trust you with the sustenance and maintenance, but to go forward in you? Oh, no, 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 no. That's a little too hard. Sometimes, you know, and, and this, is, this is, when you've been knocked down several times, there is a time where people will absolutely just throw in the towel and say, enough's enough. I'm, I don't even care anymore. I just, I don't even care. Whatever. I'm here. Whatever. But I promise you, if you get back to seeking first the kingdom of God, you're going to resurrect that giant killer in you. You're going to resurrect that, that man and that woman of faith that li- that's laying dormant. You're going, your faith is no longer, your faith's coming alive again. You're going to look at impossibilities again and take steps to, to conquer it because you know you're not alone. You know God is with you, and you know that his grace will not, his will will not take you where his grace will not keep you. He's going to make a way for you. He's a good, good God. Last story, maybe we'll hit it next week. There's another guy in the Bible in the book of Judges. You know the story, a guy by the name of Gideon. And Gideon is hiding because the Midianites are, are, are the, the children of Israel are being subjugated by the, by the Midianites, being oppressed by the Midianites, and, and to the point to where the, the children of God were, were hiding out and trying to hide their own harvest. And, 
Gideon was up threshing uh, wheat, uh, trying to hide from the Midianites just to supply some food for his family. And all of Israel were, were under oppression because, well, it, they didn't get there by accident. It's because they, they were worshiping idols that God said not to worship. But that's another story. And, um, <clears throat> but it was time when God heard their cries and he was going to bring them out. So he raised up a judge by the name of Gideon. But Gideon had a grasshopper complex, and God sends an angel to him and says, Gideon, listen up, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> and Gideon looks around and says, you talking to me? I'm up here hiding from these jokers. I, I'm the least of my family. I'm, I'm the least uh, uh, of my household, or least of my tribe. I, you're going to call me a mighty man of valor? He says, yeah, for the Lord is with you. He's got an assignment for you. It's a big assignment. But it's an assignment that you can accomplish. You can do this because God is with you. You are a mighty man of valor. In other words, you've got to start seeing yourself how God sees you, not how you see yourself. I see myself as a grasshopper. I, this is insurmountable. Don't you know the mistakes I've made and why I'm up here hiding and what I'm doing? And did you see how big they were? And so you get to that place where you just get familiar. You're under that weight. You're under that oppression. I can't come out. I'm never going to amount to anything. I just, I'm just tired, so I'm just going to hide and survive. <clears throat> and then God out of the blue sends an angel and says, nope, that's not what I have for you. And I'm just telling you prophetically today, if that's where you're at this morning, hear the word of the Lord. Nope, that's not what God has for you. Nope, that's not what he has for your children. Nope, that's not what he has for your future. God's not done with you yet. I don't care. He's not done with your kids yet. I don't care what it looks like. Nope, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, you mighty woman of valor, you mighty man of valor. Oh, don't you know I threw in the towel a long time ago? God's probably mad at me because I'm mad at him. Oh, fooey. Hear the word of the Lord today, almighty woman of God, almighty man of God. God's got a plan for your life. Well, I'm up here hiding. What's he want me to do? I don't know if I believe him. I'm, prove it to me. God, God had no problem proving it to me. He is on your side. How do we know that? Seek first the kingdom of God, and you will know that. Gets out of, outside of seeking first, you're going to cause, cause you to question. It's going to cause you to doubt. It's going to cause you to fear. It's going to cause you anxiety, panic, and worry, because the giant is bigger than you. Get back into seeking God. The Lord is with you. He's on your side. Giant killer resurrects on the inside of you. You become alive unto him. I can do all things who come. Oh, yes, I. Oh, who is this uncircumcised? Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Get off my kids, you lying dog. We're going to get into some of that prayer stuff and that faith stuff. We're going to engage some spiritual stuff here real soon. Getting back to spiritual warfare and prayer. Getting the gift of faith alive on the inside of you. And we're going to probably start from Mark 11. Say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and do not doubt in your heart. But believe those things which you say shall come to pass. You shall have whatsoever thing you saith. Why? Because you can move a mountain. Know the God in you that reverberates on your words and his authority and his plan and his purpose and design rides on your words, your authority. You can speak a thing and pray. We've almost got to the place in the body of Christ where we don't pray much anymore because we don't think prayer works anymore. But I'm here to tell you prayer does work. And you'll find out how fast and how powerful the name of Jesus is if you get night paralysis and a demon come and visit you in your subconscious sleeping moments. You're going to be calling on the name of Jesus and that devil's going to leave you. God is real. And Jesus has all authority. So Gideon, he says... I can't do this. He says, yes, you can. Prove it to me. Says, you know, here's a, here's a little fleece I'm going to put out for you. And then he believes God's with him. And then after he believes God's with him, he goes and gathers an army of 30,000, showing a whole lot of confidence in God. Oh, we can conquer this. Yeah, I'm going to give me 30,000. I trust you, Lord, but I need some backup here. You know what God did? God said, get in. You got too many. Trim it up. God trimmed 30,000 down to 300. He said, now you're ready. Now you're ready. Why? Because 
This battle doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. I didn't call you on your ability. I called you on your ability to believe me and the power that I'm going to instill in you and the instruction that I'm going to give you. You are going to conquer your enemy with man. It's impossible. You're trying to do it with men. You ain't going to beat them that way. I don't care if you got 35,000. You're not going to beat them that way. You've <laughs> trying to figure this out on your own, Gideon. Trim it up. That's not what I meant. <laughs> the Lord is with you. You got this. Let's pray. Father God, we love you this morning. We thank you for what you're doing. I pray, Father God, that your word today just finds a lodging place in our heart. And I pray for every person that's online watching, those that are here under the sound of my voice, they look at their situation different today when they walk out the doors. And I know, Father God, as soon as they walk out the doors, the enemy will try to slap them and bring them right back down and see and say and ha-ha and no, 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 no. You're a different person when you walk out those doors. You're a different woman of God. You're a different man of God when you walk out those doors. You're a giant killer. God is with you. You're seeking first the kingdom of God and you got right now faith. There's no obstacle in your way that you will not be able to conquer. Let faith fill in the gap. Some things might take a little time, but seek ye first the kingdom of God for your right now faith to stay activated and that will fill in the gap of time. But I tell you today by the spirit of God, you will see the promise and the provision of God that he has already made for you. He knows what time it is. He knows where you're at in history and he knows where you're at. You got this you're going to make it in the mighty name of Jesus. Satan, you're defeated. You're under our feet. You are defeated, foe, in the name of Jesus. Go from our children. Go from our family. Go from our homes, our marriages. Go from every situation in our life. We're kingdom people. We live in faith, power. Hallelujah. And we exercise it through the Holy Ghost of God that lives on the inside of us. Baptizes afresh in the Holy Ghost, Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus, let us encounter your love today in a tangible way. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship the Lord just for a moment. Go ahead, Noah.